Hey everybody, and welcome to another MyJS story on JavaScript Jabber. Uh, this week we're going to be talking to Max Lynch. Max, do you want to say hi to everybody? Hello. Now, uh, by way of introduction, Max is involved in the Ionic framework, which is a mobile framework. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, he also appeared on episode 126 of the JavaScript Jabber show. I think we had you on with Tyler Ranelli from uh, Habit RPG. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. All right. Well, um, so uh, I, I've already sent you the questions, so hopefully you've had a few minutes to, to think about those. I'm just going to go ahead and jump in and get started with the first question, and that is, how did you get into programming? Um, you know, I got into programming when I was, uh, I think I was around 12 or 13, and I had a family friend that worked as a software developer, and uh, I think he kind of knew that um, he knew that I, I liked breaking my parents' computer a lot, <laughs> uh, and that's always a good precursor to being interested in, in computer stuff. Is you know deleting all your parents' really valuable files. Um, so so that so that was me as a kid, and um, he let me let me borrow this Java. Um, 1.1, I think it was Java 1.1 book. So pre like the 1.2 days, which is, I think kind of when Java hit its stride, um, let me that book. And like, I, I, I read through it and I just didn't understand a single thing. Um, I, I remember looking at like four loops and I just couldn't understand it whatsoever. So, um, I kind of decided that Java was maybe not going to be, uh, my first <laughs> like foray into programming, and I, I decided to kind of uh, I, I don't know how exactly I found out about it. I think it might have been like uh, through like a modem handbook back like with with like Earthlink and my fourteen point four k modem had some HTML in the back. All the good uh, days. Yeah, there was some HTML <laughs> tutorial in the back of this modem handbook. Um, so I I started there and I built simple websites, and then I kind of found out about. JavaScript, um, and I, I was a little bit, you know, older by then, like a year or so. So I, I could finally kind of do stuff with it. Um, and that's kind of where it started. And then I had a little more exposure to it, came back to Java. Um, and that was kind of my, my beginnings. Very cool. Um, I didn't really get into Java until college. So yeah, but, but my start was mostly HTML and things like that too. So Kind of interesting. Not when I was 13, though. <laughs> yeah, I just that's all I ever did was play on the computer, so <laughs> I had no choice but to learn how to actually make it do things. Nerd. <laughs> so uh, the, the next question that I have then is, uh, how did you wind up getting into JavaScript? Um, so JavaScript was actually the first, I think it was the first actual programming language that I learned. Um, cause like I said, I tried, I, I looked at Java and I just, I couldn't do it. Um, so, so JavaScript, I, I, I think it was because I was doing HTML and you get to a point with, with HTML where you're like, okay, this is great. I make, I made a static page, but I wanted to do things. Like if you click this button, I wanted to like annoy someone with an alert prompt. So you're kind of forced to understand how to do like a little simple click handler. Um, and then I eventually got a book on JavaScript um, I still have it to this day. Uh, it's, it's kind of torn into pieces, but, um, this was like, oh man, they, ECMAScript, uh, I don't even want to say it was probably ES4 <laughs> or something, you know, like right when IE6 
five or six was coming out and like JavaScript kind of leveled up a little bit. It was right around that time. Um, and that was really my first foray in JavaScript was just learning how to do like simple click handlers and button handlers. And, uh, oh, it was DHTML. That was the thing. DHTML. Ooh, yeah. So like, yeah, updating, um, <laughs> yeah, making your site like change its look based on the user doing something. So I, I wasn't like doing it for any reason. I just thought it was fun to fiddle around with it. And I was excited that I could do more than just, you know, simple tags. So that's really how I got into it. Very cool. It, it seems like you've come a long way since then, though. Uh, do, you, do you have any like landmarks or milestones as you got away from, oh, click handlers to, wow, a framework? Um, well, after after those humble JavaScript beginnings, I actually really got into PHP. And the reason I got into PHP was uh, I started wanting to build websites for uh, actually, I, I was a big um, inline skater back in the day. So we'd, we'd had our little skate crew and we'd go out and terrorize the neighborhood. And uh, every one of like these little skate crews had their own website. So um, I threw up a simple website on like Tripod or GeoCities. And um, I wanted like to do more with it. I wanted people to be able to like communicate with each other and have a forum and blog posts and all this stuff. So I ended up getting into PHP to build like a watering hole essentially for my friends. Um, and this was like the Facebook before Facebook is kind of what my, my friends reminisce about. So I, so I learned a lot of PHP to make that happen. And in the process, I kind of got back into JavaScript uh, to make just all these like stat, uh, static server-side driven sites, make them a little more dynamic on the front end. So um, that was kind of the, the, the second big step for me. And then in college, I got an internship uh, at an insurance company that had no business writing the software that I was writing, but they kind of let me just build some, I think it was like a server management portal. Uh, and I uh, kind of heard of jQuery. This was this was when jQuery was kind of just coming out. And I and I learned that, and then like that's when my JavaScript skills really leveled up, uh, because I was doing, you know, I was able to do much more advanced um, DOM manipulation stuff that was far more complex than anything I could do before, because I just didn't have the experience to kind of use the lower level uh, HTML element functions and navigating the tree hierarchy. Like jQuery is just so much more like easy to understand, especially because I already knew CSS, so like. Because I knew CSS, I could use jQuery selectors, uh, sizzle selectors, or whatever. Um, and nowadays, I mean, that's 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 standard. But that was really for me like probably the big JS milestone. Yeah, I always compare jQuery to getting power tools on the web. Yep, yep, exactly. Because yeah, I was in the same boat, right? I mean, I'd copy and paste scripts onto my GeoCity site, and then um, all of a sudden, jQuery was around and. I could say, oh, I want this and I want it to do that. Yep, yep. And I didn't understand like document dot add event listener or whatever. Like I, yeah. that wasn't something that was really even, and even if you could do it, like you had to do it in five different ways for every browser. So yep. you just you just didn't do it because you were like, well, this probably isn't going to work here. And like, why even bother? And then jQuery came along. You're like, oh, cool. I don't even have to worry about that stuff. I can just do what it's, what's in my head and just make it work. Yeah, get element by ID, and then, yeah. Yep. Oh, and some the of them API return, system. like, an yeah. array. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the battle days. So after that, I kind of stumbled on Backbone. This was a few years after that, but Backbone kind of came out. And to me, like, Backbone was, like, uh, I was so I was a computer science major, so I was already doing, like, a, 
object-oriented programming in Java and C++ and everything. So, but so JavaScript to me was like Backbone let me write more complicated applications in kind of an object-oriented way, um, and still use jQuery. So that was kind of my next step. My first framework, I think, like legitimate framework, was Backbone. Um, and like honestly, like I've, I've built some big applications in Backbone, and um, it's a it's a solid simple framework and I, I'll always have it in my heart. <laughs> so uh, I want to back up just a little bit because um, I, I like kind of teasing out these bits of the story just because I know that A, there are people that are coming into the community now that don't have the uh, benefit, I guess, of growing up through all of the stuff that used to be hard and now is really easy with different frameworks and, and other systems. Uh, the power tools, I guess, like uh, anything up up through like Angular and React all the way down to jQuery. And so I'm wondering, um, do you have any advice for people who don't get their start at 13 who are trying to figure out where what they're using came from and what they're fighting with and, 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 and things they're dealing with now? Um, so I would say that what informs me both in what I do today, which is build uh, – UI SDKs for JavaScript for mobile. Um, all of that, all these frameworks, all these like UI libraries, all the JavaScript concepts, they're pretty much the same as any classic GUI SDK. So for me, like learning Java, for example, and using like Swing, um, the way that you combine components and, and turn them into a document, it's the same in every single language. This is this is something that I, I say about the DOM a lot is like the DOM is just the same UI tree structure, like any single GUI library out there. Um, that's how you represent user interfaces. So for me, like going back and looking at like Swing and AWT and even like esoteric UI libraries like GTK on Linux, um, well, not just Linux, but where it started with GIMP, um, those you can really learn the primitives in a much more frankly, controlled fashion than JavaScript was back then. Uh, and, and, and now that you want to understand like how to use those older traditional style UI libraries, JavaScript makes a lot more sense. Um, it's easy to look at JavaScript today and be like, okay, either this stuff's weird or like, you know, if you're using the DOM, like the DOM's broken. But for me, I always saw it as the same as what I was already using, uh, just kind of with a more like like a browser-based focus, which didn't exist before, using HTML. So um, anyways, those old libraries can really inform your JavaScript if you want to go back and look at them. So what I'm hearing is that maybe learning the patterns that people use, the design patterns, the, the methods that people use to solve these problems is more important than necessarily learning the particular implementation in one language or another because you'll be able to carry that experience with you from one language to the next or one system to the next? Yeah, I mean, I'm a classically trained computer scientist, I guess. And like every language, every SDK, they all have the same concepts. Um, that's why I, I like to say that like, you know, really senior engineers should be able to use any language and build any application because underlying it are the same tree structures, the same hash tables. So it could just be worth going and learning like basic data structures and algorithms and not getting too crazy about it, but just, you know, learn a little bit about trees and, and hash tables. Um, and you'll start to see that pat those patterns everywhere. Yep. Yeah. That's been my experience as well. And then as you go deep on a language like JavaScript and you learn its quirks, 
then from there, when you go and learn another language somewhere else, it's okay, well, how does this language implement the pattern and what are the differences? You know, yeah. What's the nuance? And that's where you kind of grow into, oh, okay, well, Swift looks a lot like JavaScript except for these couple of things. And then from there, it's just a matter of picking up a couple new patterns and going forward. Yeah, totally. And uh, if I had to like point one class that really, uh, I think, taught me the most about how how these systems work underneath, it was the compilers class I took. And there's a lot of like really just simple blog posts and uh, tutorials on building your own compiler. Um, and it sounds really crazy. And, and there's a lot of dirty parts to it, depending on what you're doing. But underlying it is just this simple like uh abstract syntax tree that's part of javascript that's part of pretty much any language um and once you kind of learn that and see how it works and see how to navigate these tree structures it just it all makes a lot more sense gotcha well i'm gonna go back on script and ask you the next question uh that's in the script and that is uh what what have you contributed to or are you contributing to um that people will have heard of in the javascript community well the big one um is ionic framework and uh, I started working on that. I was one of the original creators of it back in 2013. Um, my, my best friend, Ben, and I started a company in 2012. Some people might know about it on here. Uh, we built a product called Kodika, which was a drag-and-drop tool for jQuery Mobile. Um, and we were really excited about the idea that you could build high-quality mobile apps using web technology on mobile. Um, and jQuery Mobile was kind of the king of that. Uh, in the early days, and Ionic was kind of like the modern, I guess the modern version of of jQuery Mobile that that was trying to be a little more native style than and using more native UI concepts. Um, but yeah, so Ionic is basically an open source UI framework that helps web developers use the same HTML, JavaScript, and CSS they know, but instead of building desktop sites, build native style apps using similar native style concepts. Right, and that's built on top of Cordova, right? Uh, yeah, so we use Cordova to actually take the app and deploy it to phones. Um, but it's not just Cordova anymore. Like We also are starting to see a lot more people do Electron apps and progressive web apps. So Cordova is not uh, necessarily a part of that. Gotcha. And the other thing, uh, if I remember right, Ionic uh, heavily adopted Angular. Is that correct? Yeah, so we started using Angular back in 2013, which um, I believe it was like the Angular 1.2 release that was really like, I think, Angular's like maturing point. Um, and so we picked Angular because at the time, it was really the only way to write HTML, like custom HTML tags, and then have JavaScript components running underneath it without having to like explicitly wrap and call them like you did with jQuery where you did like dollar sign and then a selector and then you know the plugin function uh, with Angular it just kind of happened automatically so it was like this dream of web components before web components were a thing uh, so that's why we picked Angular and it ended up just being a really great way for people to build complicated single page apps which that's what a mobile app is pretty much um, so yeah we still use it to this day now, I know a lot of the kids, cool kids out there using React. Can you do React with Ionic? Uh, you, you can. And there, there's actually a project called... Well, there, there were several projects that the community members built with Ionic and React. Um, now we're seeing people do it with Vue. 
Uh, we've seen it with Ember, even Elm. Um, and we've we've thought about kind of expanding beyond Angular, but we always kind of come back to the idea that like the best thing that we can do is just have a high quality, like well documented one way of doing things. We're, we feel very strongly about that. Angular is a great framework. Um, at the end of the day, you can pretty much do all the same stuff in all the frameworks. So it's best that we just have one that we really focus on. And so we, we've heavily adopted Angular 2. Um, but we're also very interested in web components and kind of, you know, not requiring people to have a heavy framework. Uh, so that's who, who knows. JavaScript's changing quickly and we'll change along with it for sure. Gotcha. I know we did a whole episode on this and we probably should have you guys back on JavaScript Jabber since we're now uh, 100 or so episodes, two years in the past when we had you on. But uh, I'm curious, what, what was your experience? Because I like getting this story, right? So what's, what's the Ionic story? Um, you know, you decide, okay, we want this mobile experience. And so you just start hammering stuff together? Or is there, is there a different story to that? Um, yeah, I mean, we, so, so back in 2013, we were, we were still running the other business and we were fortunate that it was generating some money. So we were able to kind of cash flow ourselves and just focus on this new crazy idea. And, and basically we wanted to just see if we could build a better open source HTML5 mobile technology layer, uh, and make it totally free. And so in the early days with Ionic, uh, I remember that like the, the entire motivation for us to do this was, oh, hey, uh, does this new Translate 3D API exist on, 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 on the iPhone uh, 5? And can we make like a smooth side menu animation like the Slack app had or whatever? Or HipChat, I guess it was, was the thing back then. So, so we really were looking at native apps and trying to say like, okay, if we use the proper HTML5 APIs that are available to us, and we're, in, we're smart about how we modified the DOM and all the stuff and used performance best practices. Could we build something that felt fast and fluid like a native app? And I remember the iPhone 5 was kind of the first time I felt like, oh, wow, like these phones have really come a long ways. And not only have they come a long ways, but the browsers on them have all these awesome APIs for doing GPU compositing animations that actually feel like any native app. So that was the start. And we really just kind of remixed on that. We said, okay, Let's build the side menu. It was actually our first component because we wanted, like I said, to really build something interactive to start. Um, and then we built out a bunch of components. And it's just fun to build UI frameworks. That's why there's so many of them. Uh, it's just it's just really fun. So we just kind of started doing more and more and more of it um, and then launched the first version of Ionic. Um, well, backing up a little bit, we, we kind of pre-launched on Hacker News uh, and got some got some early interest and got people on a mailing list. So we had people we can contact and kind of grew from there. Um, but we launched in 2013 and I think we were just the right place at the right time. Angular was, was exploding. And here we had a way for all Angular developers to suddenly build mobile apps using their exact same skills. So uh, we were fortunate to be invited to ng-conf, the first official Angular conference. Um, and then after that, just kind of, uh, the community took it and ran with it and uh, helped build Ionic to a, you know, really popular, uh, one of the top 50 projects on GitHub. So uh, it's really just the community that kind of made it happen. And, and we've just been having fun building UI frameworks just like everyone else. Um, that, that's, that's the really quick history. I'm happy to dig in anything else there. 
One thing that I'm really curious about, because again, I, I know that some people are listening to this and they're like, I love the technology and I use it. And then there are other people going, there's no way I could ever build something like that. I mean, were there any hangups or things that, you know, discourage, discouraging moments where you were like, oh, this just isn't worth it. And then you pushed through anyway, or was it all uh, rainbows and unicorns? Building it up? I mean, no, I mean, that's, I would say that any of these projects have those moments when you're just like, you know, feeling downtrodden. And I, I think the reason why those things happen in our space is because um, so much is out of our control. Uh, it, it's not quite like the desktop days where you had like a lot of budget to do fancy animations and you had all these different vendors that could build browsers and everyone was pushing the limits. Like we have to rely on Google and Apple to uh, let us do what we want to do. And that, you know, that's been really frustrating. Like in the early days, um, I think a lot of people looked at looked at Ionic and said, well, it's only as good as the Android 2.3 operating system. And, you know, when we built this, we always kind of said, like, this is the earliest, like the iPhone 5 era was the earliest that, that Ionic was possible. And now everything else needs to catch up. And it finally is. But I would say that's been the biggest thing is like, like we can't force Apple to add new APIs to their browser. We can't force Google to make Android phones faster for JavaScript. Um, and so that's really been the hardest thing. Uh, but we've seen a lot of progress. So, so, you know, those, those days can be bad, but then the next day it's like, Oh, Google added a bunch of new APIs. And actually now we can do this cool CSS containment thing where we're only updating a part of the page and oh, the, the apps are so much faster. So we have to learn about new APIs. We have to learn about new capabilities as well. And like, we always find a step forward. That's cool. The other thing that I'm wondering, and, and I'm trying to get this out of these stories, is, um, you know, Max Lynch is just a guy, right? You're, you're a programmer. You enjoy this stuff. Um, and so somebody else looks at this, and, and as I said, they look at it and they go, there's just no way I could ever do that. Um, if somebody has some big idea, what, what do you say to them? Oh, um, you know, I think like anything in life uh, – there's there's no such thing as an overnight success. Like we've been working on Ionic pretty much every single day for a little over three years now. Um, and the only way that you ever get to a point where you have something in your hands is to kind of just like forget about that end product and enjoy what you're doing and build cool stuff and just do it like as often as possible. It's just being consistent. It's not about being like a super fast developer or the smartest person in the room. Like generally it's, it's often just putting in a lot of hard work over a long period of time and being patient, um, and having a vision and like sticking with it. You know, like we, I still have a vision every day that I have to defend, which is that people are going to continue to want to build like most of their mobile apps with, web technologies because it's just faster and cheaper and it's just easier. Um, and so a lot of people try to like counter that by saying like, Oh, native apps are always going to be better X, Y, and Z. And like native apps are, are, are awesome. And they're definitely superior than to, to hybrid apps in a lot of cases, just like native apps on desktop are superior to web apps in a lot of cases. But we see that like 95% is really where we shine. And like, so, so you have to have a vision for where things are going and you have to kind of like be willing to stick with it, especially now in today's Twitter verse with JavaScript, where like, you know, you can't have an opinion without getting attacked, attacked 
uh, on all these different fronts. You just need to be, (laughs) yeah. So just being confident and willing to like stick to your vision and, and just putting in a lot of hard work over a lot of periods of time. That's how it gets done. So, uh, the last question is what are you working on now? And I'm assuming a lot of it's ionic, but is there anything else that you've contributed to JavaScript in the past or that you're working on now that you want to talk about? Um, so me personally, um, I'm kind of interested in exploring how to do more, um, exploring how to unlock more of the native functionality locked up in, in these phones through JavaScript in the web. So that's, that's in the Ionic world. Um, just personally, I'm interested in like one of my personal projects is trying to come up with an easier way for SaaS companies to send email. Um, so that's not necessarily just a JavaScript project, it's just like a full stack project. Um, so, you know, I, I have a lot of ideas and, and I'm, I'm busy. I just had a kid. So like, I try to just make sure I'm only focusing on one thing and right now that's pretty much ionic, but when I get some spare time, I'm still, I, I still kind of come back to that email idea. I'm, I'm still waiting to find some spare time. <laughs> yeah. It turns out there's not, not too much of it, but yeah. I do have a few picks to that uh, point, though. So why don't we go ahead and do those? Uh, do you have some picks you want to share with us? Uh, can you can you fre- refresh me on that? <laughs> so uh, picks are things that you like, things that you're. I mean, people pick uh, dev tools, but they also pick like TV shows, music, movies. Um, you know, whatever it is that's kind of got your attention and that you're enjoying these days. Yeah. So uh, I. I'm telling everyone who will listen about this awesome app called Haya, H-I-Y-A. Um, and Haya is, uh, it uses new features on uh, iOS 10 to tag phone calls and tell you that, like, hey, there's a, a scammer calling or telemarketer. Um, so that's, like, my favorite app right now because I absolutely despise any time my phone rings ever. Um, you know, I guess that's just being millennials, we just don't make phone calls with each other. So, uh, so that's my favorite app. And if you hate phone calls, like I do definitely check out Haya. It's an awesome app. Um, I'm a avid gamer. just got a PS4 pro. I'm loving it. Yeah. I, I, I switched from, well, I'm a PC gamer too, but I got, I I switched from the Xbox and, and I'm enjoying the game selection on PS4 and I just, the the experience is just better. So, uh, I'm, I'm loving that. Um, yeah. And beyond that, I think I'm obsessed with all the same TV shows everyone else is obsessed with. Just finished Westworld. So, uh, if you haven't watched that, I highly recommend it, especially if you're a self-respecting nerd, uh, who likes AI and, and, and all the, uh, quandaries around it. Um, those are my picks. Westworld. I don't know if I've heard of that. It's an HBO show. It's, this was the first season. It's a, it's a, uh, remake, I believe of Michael Crichton movie, um, from, from a long ways back. And it's basically like we've created these, uh, very human like, uh, robot AI things essentially. And, uh, you know, things get out of hand. <laughs> Sounds like, <fun. laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Nice. Uh, I've got a couple of picks. Like I said, I'll pick a few that are sort of my productivity goes tos. Um, one of the first ones is Zapier. So I use Zapier to automate all of the stuff. Um, Max actually also, uh, scheduled this through schedule once schedule once hooks into Zapier and then does a whole bunch of stuff. So, uh, yeah, all of the 
everything related to the podcast basically goes through those two things. Um, I also use Google Docs extensively, and I use DocuWiki um, to document all the processes behind things. And then lately, I've gotten into another tool. Um, so yeah, so I have like six picks related to this. I, I could do more. I could probably do a whole webinar on this. Um, but I've gotten I've gotten started using Active Campaign, and when I first looked at it, I was like, no, this is not what I need. But with all of the automation and things like that that are in it, and having used it for just a small project, that is, I'm hiring a new virtual assistant um, or not so virtual assistant. Most of my applicants are actually local, um, but it's it's been really cool because people just they jump in, they uh, sign up on Gravity Forms, which is another pick I guess I have for WordPress. Um, all of that gets fed into Active Campaign, and then Active Campaign actually sends out emails and tells people to schedule stuff. And anyway, it's been really cool. So uh, yeah, lots of picks there. And uh, yeah, we'll have all the links to those in the show notes. But uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of the way that I go. And then um, for other things, if you're trying to make more time, is just figure out what the one or two or three things are that are the big things you got to get done this week. And then um, when you're putting your schedule together for the week, which you should do, you should definitely schedule your time every week, um, schedule the things that are related to those things first, and then schedule the other stuff. Um, I mean, you're going to have routine stuff, and you can schedule that in too, but... Um, that way you wind up saying yes to the important stuff and no to the, well, I kind of got to get this done sometime. Um, you can schedule it in either when it becomes urgent or when you have the free time. And you so anyway, um, thank you for coming, Max. It's Thanks for having me. It's always, it's always a pleasure. It's so fun to catch up, and I, I love just kind of even briefly catching some of the story and going, yeah, I remember... I remember going through that or, you know, oh, yeah, that's a great lesson to pull from that. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. I appreciate it.